0: Grieve, good evening, and you're very welcome to The Leap of Faith. This evening's programme comes again from the west of Ireland, where, in a few minutes, we'll be hearing from Professor Afshin Somali, who came to Ireland as a refugee fleeing religious persecution and is now here in Galway at the National University, leading a team of medical researchers credited with making major breakthroughs in the treatment of cancer. We'll also continue our series on pilgrimages, Talking about the ancient Tochaphoric with Father Frank Fahi, the priest who helped to revive it for today's pilgrims from Ballantubber Abbey all the way to and up Crowpatrick, but first, and staying with the connection to this county Mayo pilgrimage, I'm delighted to be joined again here in the Galway Studio by musicians Julie Langen, Mary Staunton, and declan askin so it's sometimes been remarked that when it comes to our spiritual selves. Music can reach parts that institutional religion can't always reach. Do you find that to be true?
1: Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> I think yes is the answer. Yeah. It is. Uh, I've certainly experienced it. Uh, I'd say all my life, really. That when you sit and play music for yourself, and you really listen to the what you're playing, and you feel it, uh, it goes very, very deep inside, and very, it becomes very much part of. Who you are, you know, and as a, me anyway,
1: yeah. And I think as a communal thing, you know, when we get together, exactly, that's when you really feel um, you really connection. Feel connection, no
2: mm-hmm. chatter. or no. Like we were playing music earlier today, myself and Julie and Declan, and uh, we just had as as my great old friend Alec Finn used to say, a conversation without words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he used mm-hmm. to always say, and we yeah. we were, we were as close as we could ever be without having any. That's right, yeah, Any yeah. words uh, getting in the way, really, sometimes. Yeah. Mm. For every occasion, no matter what yeah. it was, we, we could express it in music, yeah. couldn't we, even? You know, whether it was happiness or sadness. Mm. Mm. You know, the Aquino, yes, the ago.
1: And wasn't it the, 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 the Gantry, the t- different types of music in Irish music? There was the Soon Tree, which is the lullaby, Suntry, yeah. the Gantri, which were the reels and the jigs, and then the Gull Tree, which was the, the ments like there was three forms there oh, was the yeah. three fo- were the old three forms mm-hmm. way back
2: for every emotion that they had there was some form of music to express it Yeah. so there is a little piece of music that, <laughs> written by Handel called uh, Judas Maccabeus and it's from 161 BC
0: that's when he existed because he was a priest was he a Jewish leader mm-hmm. yeah. yeah great that thank you very good. much Judas Maccabeus from Handel, Judas, the Jewish priest who was the leader of the Maccabean revolt. And you were listening to Julie Langen, Mary Staunton on accordion, and Declan Askin, and they'll be playing for us again later in the programme. But now I'm delighted this evening to welcome Dr. Afshin Somali. Afshin is a leading biochemist and cell biologist. He holds the chair of cancer biology at NUI Galway and is a member of the Royal Irish Academy. But in 1985, Afshin was 17 years old when he had to come to Ireland as a refugee, escaping religious persecution in Iran. Afshin, you're very welcome
3: to the leap of faith. I'm delighted to be here.
0: NUI Galway have recently released a half hour film documenting your life. It's called From Tehran to Galway, and it's very easy to find on YouTube. And in this documentary, we learn about uh, the way in which the Baha'i community, of which your family was a part, uh, found itself under pressure in Iran. Could you maybe begin by telling us what the Baha'i faith involves?
3: The Baha'i faith was founded in the middle of the 19th century by a man called Baha'u'llah, and uh, the purpose or the core principle of the uh, the Baha'i faith is unification of mankind and establishment of world peace. Uh, Baha'is believe that there is only one God and that God has sent uh, many messengers, many divine educators to guide mankind in the course of history. So, for example, Moses, Jesus, uh, Buddha, Krishna, uh, Muhammad and now Baha'u'llah is the latest. Baha'is also believe in independent investigation of truth, uh, also in uh, equality of women and men and in universal education. So education plays a prominent role in the Baha'i teachings.
0: This is a very progressive, peace-loving, equality-loving faith. And yet in Iran, in your childhood, it came to be persecuted. Why was that?
3: Every time there has been persecution of Baha'is in the media, in the public domain, uh, the government states that the Baha'is are uh, punished uh, for a number of reasons. One is that the, uh, they claim that Baha'i faith is not a r- real religion and that is a political uh, movement established by Israel, England and America. And, uh, they, and they use that to punish Baha'is. And sometimes they accept that it's a religious movement but then they say uh, Baha'is are apostate from Islam because Muhammad is seal of prophets and there won't be any religion after Islam. But in reality I think it's the progressive principles of the Bahai faith these are at odds with the world view of the leadership in Iran and that's the cause for persecution. And uh, I should say that in the over the last few months there has been an upsurge in the persecution of the Bahais and some of the recent events include arrest, arraignment and jailing of uh, 44 Baha'is. Uh, this is only in month of June, 26 of whom were uh, arrested and imprisoned, and some of them have been exiled within the country.
0: I hear your deep concern for Baha'is who are experiencing persecution to this day, but you also, I have a deep concern for refugees from many backgrounds and the ways in which um, refugees are politicised in this country, as in the um, rest of the West. Could you tell us about your work with refugees, both practically mm. and in helping people better understand an overly politicised situation?
3: You're right, uh, the issue of refugees is a highly charged issue, a politically charged issue. But about five years ago, I decided that I need to start speaking up about what is happening. and use my example and the support we got in Ireland back in the 80s, how we can um, provide support for the refugees to get their lives back together in this country. In particular, about uh, five years ago, the UNHCR here in Ireland approached me and asked me to help them with the uh, various activities they had to raise awareness about refugees. I don't know. If I'm I bet going it's to...
0: difficult, though. Mm. It must be very difficult. You may feel, uh, and I understand that. that um, feeling called out really that I should stand up and have my story be told because you are so successful and you are making such an extraordinary contribution to not just Irish society but medical science that affects everybody but it must be very hard to speak up because when you talk about refugees you were one and it was I imagine exceedingly painful
3: uh, it was, um, mm-hmm. although, yeah, I have always mentioned to many friends and colleagues and students that uh, I came here as a refugee. Mm-hmm. It never really registered with anyone. And it was until res- recently when I started speaking up a bit more and sharing my story, When mm-hmm. that was when people start appreciating and understanding what refugees go through. Not everyone can talk about their experience. Even now to this day when I talk about my experience uh, I get quite emotional about it and uh, so it it has been challenging but also Mm -hmm. I think it it has been quite rewarding for me.
0: What did you know about Ireland before you (laughs) came here? (laughs) And has it exceeded or not yet lived up to expectations?
3: Well, uh, before I came to Ireland... I knew of the existence of an island, and that was divided by a border between north and south. I knew about Dublin, and in my school books I had seen two pictures of Ireland. One of the O'Connell Street in Dublin, it was a picture taken in the 70s, and second one was a picture of a road in the middle of a bog in Connemara with sheep on the road. And these were really the images of Ireland I had uh, before I came here. When we arrived in Ireland, it was a cold, wintry day. It was in December. It was very dark. It was raining heavily, and it was miserable. <laughs> um, but we were welcomed by a group of uh, Baha'is, uh, as well as members of Red Cross and UNHCR, uh, some government officials uh, in the Dublin airport. And it was a quite a warm welcome. And that set the scene for the rest of my experience here in Ireland.
0: The The story of your extraction from Iran is told in the film, which, uh, as I said, can easily be found on YouTube it's called from Tehran to Galway um, and the the story that it tells is is just terrifying and hard to witness how do you get over something like that or do you not ever get over it
3: i i don't think you You will ever get over it and frankly uh, the time I spoke about that experience for the documentary was the first time I spoke about it um, since I came to Ireland and it was very difficult to uh, try to recall the whole journey and still thinking about it is um, causing upset.
0: and yet you're trying to do it in order to educate people about the reality and value of lives of people who are just so easily written off with labels, asylum seekers, refugees. So you're, you're offering this painful process as a gift to accomplish the education of the citizenry and how they participate in politics, is that right?
3: Yes, my my experience is an experience uh, I believe many, many people have gone through and still going through. And this is not something that people would do easily without, uh, uh, unless they were under serious danger or under pressure. And so we need to be a bit more open and welcoming.
0: Afshin Somali. Thank you very much for joining us on The Leap of Faith.
3: Thank you very much.
0: In a few moments' time, I'll be bringing you to the now very worn path on which St. Patrick walked and the ancient hot stone bath his followers made for pilgrims at Ballintubber Abbey in County Mayo. But before that, let's hear some more music associated
1: with the spiritual life.
0: Mary, you were rehearsing another piece earlier. Would you tell us about it?
1: Was that was another? Lundu and the Kershawk, that was mm. one yeah, so what is the story Mary? Mm. The That's story
2: a with thing. that one, the London and the Kershawk, it was collected in Ballinrobe in the seventeen hundreds by Bunting when he was doing mm. his rounds collecting at that time. <laughs> so again it goes, you know, way back in our history. Mm. These beautiful old old airs thankfully were collected and we can still play them and pass them on.
1: Mm. And the Lundus mm. so is the blackbird and And the, the Lundu
2: is the Irish for a blackbird. And the Kershach is the hen, Mrs. Blackbird.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's it.
4: Okay. Yeah.
0: So we're standing at the main door of Ballintubber Abbey in County Mayo and looking west, the clouds are in and we can't quite see Crowpatrick from here this evening but it's very easy to imagine a straight line out across the fields heading over from the abbey uh, to the reek and I'm joined this evening by Father Frank Fahy who has served the Abbey for 36 years. Uh, Father Fahey, you're very welcome to the Leap of Faith. Thank you very much. You very much. Would you tell us, please, what is the Toho and what's its connection to the Abbey?
5: Well, it goes back to Patrick's time, before Patrick's time. It, it was the original uh, chariot road between Rathcron in Westcommon and, uh, and that mountain which was called Mount Elgar, And it became the pilgrim road from Patrick, came back along that road in 441. And from that time onwards, it was, uh, it was known as the Pilgrim Road, Tor Fawlich, like, or Patrick's Pilgrim Road, towards is a road through a bog, with plenty of those in mail. <laughs> and um, so it was used as one of the principal routes and pilgrimages, especially around the 13th to the 13th century, when they, um, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem was, was stopped because of the Crusades, then it, they, this abbey was built to serve the pilgrims. And um, we have monuments here, we have Don the Bath of the Righteous here, where people washed themselves uh, uh, symbolically after making the pilgrimage. So that pilgrimage continued on until 1588. It was the last pilgrim drawn down that road. And that was undertaken by uh, to, to punish some of the the chieftains over in Ahagauer and the west because they searched some of the sailors in Spanish Armada. Mm. It was dangerous to go on the pilgrimage after that. So, um, gradually, other roads rose up and the pilgrimage lost its 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 um, significance, especially during penal times uh, because it was dangerous to, to acknowledge you were a Catholic. So, from about 1700, 1800 onwards, for 100 years or so, uh, the pilgrimage, this part of the journey to Bokhro Patrick tohovorich was uh, not used, and then um, it was it was put on maps and people had had, had it in their memory, and it was in, in folk memory where the Toha was. So uh, when I came here, um, another person who was interested in it came. He brought maps, and began to research it. And within two two years, we had found the roads, uh found the some of the roads as it was, you know, two thousand years ago. And since then, it has been open to pilgrims. It's it's um, it's a pilgrimage rather than than a walk, because we're going through people's lands.
0: And did you meet much resistance in reviving the pilgrimage, or um, did people grasp easily? Or was it a bit a mixture
5: of both no no there been no resistance because it was they they respected it they, they remember their parents and grandparents talking about tohar and uh, in fact every every field has its own history every rock has a meaning you know the, the, the fields are are named each 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 place has a personality of its own and um, nature speaks to you. You're going around,
0: it. nature speaks to you nature speaks to um, someone when they're on a walk you mentioned the difference between a pilgrimage and a walk for those who may not be familiar with that distinction could you could you explain what that is just at a general level why why is a walk different to a pilgrimage through such gorgeous nature
5: it can be it can be different it can be different um, awareness, if we open our hearts to an awareness that what is nature telling us it's telling us something more than itself it leaves a question maybe it puts a doubt into our minds with the rush and everything like that, are we missing something and that's the the stories of the past and the stories of of past pilgrims and and things that happened uh, history uh, in an ordinary walk you can just walk and do that but the the, the pilgrimage, uh, the journey is as, imp- as important as the destination in the pilgrimage. In fact, the journey is the pilgrimage, because it's we who are changed. And pilgrimage is allowing ourselves to be changed by something greater than ourselves.
0: Father Frank Fahey, thank you for joining us on the Leap of Faith.
5: Thank you very much.
0: And so, from Ballantaba Abbey in County Mayo, we're now returning to the Galway studio as tonight's programme draws to a close, with time for just one more piece of music. Julie, there are so many ways that music is sacred and spiritual, as I look at it, but one thing I hadn't thought about was something that you were telling me earlier about a planksty, a piece of music written to honour
1: a significant person in the community. Uh, Derry McGrogan, he was a great musician, um, played the fiddle and the accordion and the and the box and composed few tunes, and um, uh, he worked. He lived in New York most of his life, but um, he Uncle had and Kilcali yeah, and and yeah, and Kilcally. But um, he, I suppose, he had his demons, like Saul, maybe, yeah. but um, he was sick for a long time before he died, and he he couldn't get. He He always wanted to come back here, I suppose, too, mm-hmm. but uh, he died in New York. And at the time, I remember there was such a we were all half depressed at the thought he was over there on his own and whatever. Um, so Holly, uh, Holly Gerty wrote this tune, mm. and it's Dermot Grogan's, but she called it "Planks Dermot Grogan," which I thought was so lovely because he was such a gentleman. Oh, he was a gent, yeah. And he was yes. such
2: a, a beautiful musician, a very, very quiet, peaceful musician. You know, yeah, he, he, yeah, he was a lovely man.
1: But um, I thought it was lovely to give him the planksty because it was giving him a real title, giving him a real honour, and yeah. which he was, it was what he meant to everyone. Because yeah, he was yeah. such, he, he was, was all that. Teacher, yeah. 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 yeah, so nice, music
0: yeah. could afford the the dignity yeah. and the yeah. honouring of a, the whole memory.
1: Yeah. Uh, what does Planksti mean? It's a type of
0: song, a type so of tune. It's like a. Is it, f- it was written for chieftains or
2: well, a, well yes, there was yeah, a, noble there was people. Planksti is uh, written for right. chieftains and yeah. people of. Importance at the time I suppose mm-hmm. and yeah. if they wanted to honour them, they'd write them a, a piece, and that it, would, it would be a plankster Yeah, plankster Irwin. And yeah. yeah,
0: would you play it?
1: We can. We will all. Yes. We we'll play it. Yes, yes. It's beautiful.
2: Holly Gerty is an amazing harpist from County Mayo, and she's she's continuing on a line of great music in her family. She wrote this beautiful piece, but she's a fantastic composer and music teacher, and she actually lives in Galway. Another one (laughs) escaped over the border. (laughs) uh, And she's got all her family plays. So it's just really really delighted that she (sighs) wrote this piece. It's, It's absolutely gorgeous.
4: Faith was presented by Siobhan Garrigan. Sound supervision was by Colin Barker. The broadcast coordinator is Jarlath Holland and the producer is Sheila O'Callaghan.